Welcome, everyone, to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now, here's the show. Hi, this is Rich in Milwaukee, and you're listening to the Talking Reef Podcast. Welcome to the Talking Reef Podcast, the weekly talk show that brings you topics and discussions on marine and reef aquariums. And this week's topic, we're going to talk about dealing with power outages, something that's come up frequently in the forums um, recently also. Uh, there's been a couple conversations about this, and it's something that a lot of people uh, tend to not really think about. Uh, it's really important to understand that your tanks need to be covered in the case that you have a power outage. This is going to more apply to, you know, if you run into an incident that's going to last more than a few minutes. Uh, in those cases where the power is only out for a couple minutes, this may not be as big of a deal. But with all the time and money that we commonly invest into our reef aquariums, it's very, very important to make sure that you have a contingency in place for this type of thing. So at this point, let's go right into this week's topic. This week's topic is sponsored by Coral Dynamics. Coral Dynamics specializes in quality captive-propagated corals, clownfish, cardinals, and seahorses. Make sure you check out CoralDynamics.com to see all the great products and livestock that they have. So first off, what's so important or what is important during a power outage? When a power outage occurs, what are the things that we really need to be concerned about? Well, First off, it's important to understand what time of the year is because that can have an effect on, on some of the things that we're going to talk about. So uh, first off, let's talk about lights. Are lights important during a power outage? Some of you might think so, but the reality is they're not. Your reef tank with all those coral and corals in there can actually go uh, a couple days without lights, and that's really not going to uh, severely or permanently impact them. Uh, the next item is a heater. Now, is the heater important? Now, this is where the time of the year comes in. If it's in the winter, then yes, absolutely, heater is important. If it's in the summer and you can keep the room temperature fairly warm, then you know what? Then the heat, the heater in your tank might not be as critical. But you need to keep an eye on this. What's the ambient room temperature? Is it something that's going to drastically drop the temperature of the tank if your heater were to go out? Again, keep in mind, many of us with bright metal halide lighting, lots of pumps in our tank, uh, stuff like that, we do get a lot of heat from those. And in the case of a power outage, those likely will not be running, so that's even more heat that we will not be getting in the tank. So important things to keep in mind. Last one on this list is your current. Now, the water flow in your tank. Now, how important is this? This is actually probably the most important thing in your tank. In the event that you were to suffer a power outage that lasted more than an hour or two, it, it's absolutely critical that we have some kind of contingency in place to make sure that your, that your water flow is moving. Now, do you have to keep it at the, at the normal 15, 20, 25 tanks per hour volume of water that you're going to move? No, you don't have to. But it's important to make sure that you do have some decent flow going through there in the event of a power outage. This is very, very important for your invertebrates, for your uh, corals and all that type of stuff. So that's a brief rundown of some of the things that we're going to kind of touch on here. 
Now, in this next section, what I'm going to do is go through a list of items and supplies that you might need. Uh, I'm not going to specifically recommend certain products or stores to get these, uh, since this, you know, t since this show is heard globally, it really wouldn't apply everywhere. Almost half of the listeners are from countries outside of the United States. But what I will say is that if you are in the United States, uh, being a Costco member or having a Walmart uh, buy makes this a lot easier and uh, and usually cheaper. Uh, so that said, let's kind of move on here. So what are the, some of the things that we're going to need? The first thing on, on my list here is batteries. Batteries are kind of a key thing in any type of power outage situation, so make sure that you have as many as you can get. Uh, they're going to be used for various types of pumps, flashlights, so on and so forth. So make sure you have a good supply of batteries. The next item on the list here is flashlights. Now, this is something that you should have anyways, but if you don't, get them. Uh, there are many types that you can get nowadays that have, you know, hand cranks on them or that you shake up to generate the electricity, and they are not very expensive at all. These are something that, you know, most reef hobbyists have anyways. If you don't have one, it's a good idea to get one anyways. Even, you know, besides for planning for power outages, using flashlights uh, at night is it pro provides a, a remarkable experience when you're, when you're looking at your tank with the main lights out to see everything that comes out. And it's also a good idea to kind of have them around to kind of just inspect the tank at night, just to, just to check things out a little bit. So having flashlights is something that's very important. Uh, again, whether they're batteries, hand cranks, or the shake lights, uh, make sure you get your hands on something because those are real important to have. Uh, the next item on my list that I'm going to cover is styrofoam sheets. Now, styrofoam sheets are something that can be very important depending on the size of your tank, this, that, and the other thing. Now, what you can actually use these for, now, if we're in the middle of winter and you have a power outage and it's going on, you know, a, f you know, a few hours or something and you're not really sure when the power's going to come back on, you just had a nice storm, whatever, what you can actually do is take these styrofoam sheets and you want to have them pre-cut to the size of your tank. So you can have, you know, four sheets that are going to go all the way around the walls. And with those, you can use the next item on our list, duct tape. You can actually just duct tape all of these on there, and what it's going to do is it's going to provide a good layer of insulation to help keep the warmth inside the tank. So those are a couple important things. Some other options that can be used in conjunction with the styrofoam or in place of, depending on the circumstance, are blankets. Have a good couple, you know, uh, real thick blankets, usually some junk blankets, something that you're not going to need to sleep with or whatever, but... <laughs> Needless to say, unless you plan on sleeping in your fish tank, which might be warmer. Anyways, okay, I'm straying a little bit here. Now, basically, you can do the, the same thing with the, the blankets that you can do with the styrofoam sheets. You can lay them around the tank. You can use the duct tape the same way as you would with the styrofoam sheets. Both are good options. Both One or the other is something that you should think about. The next item on the list that I'm going to talk about is battery-operated pumps. Now, you can get various different types of these pumps. Some of them are more of a powerhead style pump. Uh, the other options are little like air stone, air bubbler pumps. Both are good options in the case that power goes out. You can drop one, two, or three of these, depending on the size of your tank, and get some water movement inside the tank from these little bubblers. So those are some, a few options uh, as far as, you know, just general supplies that you might need. Now... We have our, our, our stock of supplies, 
this is going to kind of help us in the event that the power goes out. You know, this is some stuff that we're going to have, but this doesn't really cover how we're going to actually supply the tank with power in the event that the power outage occurs. Now, remember how I mentioned before, lights are not important. During a power outage, you don't want to, you don't need to worry about the lights. Now, depending on the situation, uh, you might need to worry about the heater, and you are definitely going to need to worry about your current. So you're going to want to power some main pumps. Now, whether it's a return pump is pretty much up to you, depending on the solution that you pick to power it, because those are usually bigger pumps, and they're going to draw a little bit more electricity than maybe a couple little power heads floating around in your tank. At this point, let's kind of go through a couple options that we can use to supply your tank with power in the, in the event of a power outage. Now, the first item I'm going to talk about is something called a power inverter. Now, a power inverter can be used to, you know, power a heater and a small pump or two. You can connect these to your car through the cigarette adapter um, or directly to various type of auto, you know, car batteries. Uh, the, you can also connect these right to like a deep cycle marine battery. Uh, they can also be used to recharge a UPS, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Now, this can be something that's very valuable depending on the positioning of your tank. If it's during the summer and it might be an option, you can actually use these power inverters, plug it into your car, start your car up, and then run an extension cord into the house to the tank. And as I mentioned, you can power recharge a UPS. Uh, you can have that plugged in and run it, say, for, you know, for 10 minutes just to get some water movement in there, shut it off, and then do that every few minutes. Uh, again, this is something where you're going to have to literally babysit it as it's going through. Uh, if you have uh, different types of auto or marine batteries, you can connect these right into these batteries. There's various different types of connection kits that you can get. Uh, some deep cycle marine batteries, you can actually get a, you know, a certain housing and that'll have... Um, a cigarette adapter right on the top of it and you can plug your power inverter right into that so basically in your house all you need is your battery your power inverter and then it, you know your equipment plugged into that uh, the next thing which I've kind of mentioned a little bit here already is a deep cycle marine battery now these are a great source of power uh, and you know as I mentioned coupled with a power inverter you've got a, a good source of energy to power your tank for quite a while now these deep cycle marine batteries are much more efficient, they've got more juice and stuff than uh, a regular car battery. So if you're going to go this route, definitely look at a deep cycle marine battery because they're going to they're gonna work a lot better for you. Again, you can tie that in with the power inverter, that's going to convert the electricity into a form that your equipment can use. And you can go ahead and power your heater and a couple pumps off of that. The next item on the list is something that a lot of people look at real quickly and they think, hey, if I'm going to have a power outage, this is exactly what I need. And these are computer UPSs. Uh, UPS stands for Uninterruptible Power Supply. Now, if you're going to look at these, it's important that you get a midsize or a large unit. The small units usually, based on the information that I found, usually are not that good. Uh, in the event that they're not going to supply you with a long amount of, uh, of power. In my opinion, uh, they're not very cost-effective options. Uh, you're going to really need you know, a, a large, expensive unit to sp supply you with enough uh, energy to power your equipment. The main drawback with these is you're going to go ahead and plug your equipment into them, and various test results that I've seen, you're going to get anywhere from 
20 to 40 minutes worth of power out of them. Now, if you turn them on for a few minutes, turn them off and let them sit for, you know, 10, 15 minutes and then turn them back on for another couple minutes, that is an option. But you have to remember, you know, when that thing runs out of juice, you're stuck. Uh, unless you have, you know, like I mentioned before, a power inverter um, or you have a method of recharging that, you know, you can plug your power inverter into your car and then plug the UPS into the power inverter, charge the, the UPS back up. Uh, so those are a couple different options. Uh, and the last thing, and this is really, you know, this is my choice. This is what I have actually done. And it's pretty much what I would recommend that any serious reef hobbyist have. Uh, and this is a gas generator. And now I, I can say that I have, you know, thousands of dollars of fish and coral alone, uh, you know, in, in my tank. Now compare that to the three to $500 it's going to cost for a gen generator. There's really no comparison. Generators can run your tank for a long time. Essentially, as long as you've got gas, they can run. And if you get a large enough unit, you can leverage this. You can wire it into your house, depending on your situation. And these can even power your fridge, your furnace, uh, maybe even your air conditioning. If you you know if you're stuck in a power outage in the middle of the summer, uh, many of you may remember a few years back when that happened to us and. You know, all these states, and I was one of the, the states included where we lost power for a long time. So uh, something like this is comes, you know, it, it's, it's very good to have because you can power a lot of different stuff. And like I said, you know, I've seen these anywhere from three to $500. But if you get one that's got a decent-sized gas tank and it's going to put out enough juice to power, you know, power your equipment, uh, it's definitely something worth looking into. You know, as I mentioned, I mean, they're, seriously, I mean, you're looking at three to $500. Most of us pay more than that for our lights alone. You know, it, it's worth the investment. Um, but as I mentioned, there's a few different options in here depending on your circumstance. You, you, you pick and, and choose your own. Harrison, the generator that I have is a 5,000-watt generator. It's got a 5-gallon gas tank on it. 10 horsepower motor. Now that's a pretty big one and you probably don't need to go that big if your main concern is uh, just powering your tank. I think uh, you can get pretty good deals on something like a five, a three or five horsepower motor with I think uh, 3,000 watts or, or so. Uh, those are You can usually pick those up uh, relatively speaking pretty cheap. Now you know again what I want to do here is just do a quick run through of, of what I've talked about and kind of give the uh, talking reef recommendations for your case. Now, first and foremost, as I mentioned, a gas generator is by far probably the best option that you can have because it's going to give you a long, a long-lasting power supply in the event that you need it. So, uh, if you're in a house and you have a place to store a generator and you can get a generator, uh, that's my first recommendation. Now, I know many of you are in apartments, condos, or places where you cannot get, run, or store a generator. Now, in this case, I would recommend the Deep Cycle Marine battery coupled with a power inverter. Now, again, I mentioned you can pick up these Deep Cycle Marine batteries and you can get these cases that you can enclose them in that'll have, you know, inside there'll be wires that'll connect the battery posts and you, you'll have cigarette adapters or even, you know, something like that right on the front that you can pop your power inverter plug right into. Power inverters are not that expensive. Uh, the marine batteries, I, I believe, uh, are, are a little bit expensive, uh, but, you know, again, I, I think it's worth it. Uh, but, you know, anyways, back what I was saying is you can plug the power inverter right into this, 
and then you can plug in, you know, in the event of a power outage, you pull out this equipment, you plug in your, you know, couple key pumps that you want to run in there. Uh, it's important to keep an eye on the wattage of your pumps. You really want to try to pick your most efficient pumps, uh, the pumps that are going to generate the most water flow with the lowest amount of electricity. So uh, it, it's a good thing to, you know, to keep an eye on. Now, in the event that neither of these are an option, uh, I would say your, your last choice, or depending if you can get a good deal on a good size UPS, um, I would recommend you know, going with that, uh, you know, with that option again. This is probably my last choice, uh, un you know, unless, like I mentioned, you can get a good one. Uh, then I might choose this secondary to the, the power inverter deep cycle battery in the event that you can't have a generator. So, you know, you can pick up, you know, a decent-sized UPS and you can use that. So that's pretty much my rundown of it. Uh, so, you know, the items that you're going to need, just to kind of run through that again, batteries, of course, flashlights, of course, great things to have in any situation of a power outage styrofoam sheets blankets duct tape uh, you can use you know as i mentioned the styrofoam sheets and the blankets to cover up the sides you can use the blankets and styrofoam sheets to cover up the top to hold in whatever heat you have uh, duct tape to kind of seal it all together battery operated uh, pumps and air stones great for generating water current uh, and i just run th ran through the power inverter deep cycle marine battery computer ups gas generator uh, so that's pretty much it for this topic, uh, kind of a short topic for you this week. Uh, I know I didn't go into a whole lot of detail on, on most of these things, uh, but I, I hope I, I got you thinking a little bit, and we can definitely go into some more detail on the show if you want. If you've got specific questions, uh, we can do a questions and answers show about this. Just, you know, go head over to the forums and, and post these and, and reply to this, this show, and we can generate some questions for it. Uh, we can have more discussion there. It's up to you guys, however you want to do it. So at this point, let's move on to this week's tip of the week. Now, this tip came in, I believe, from the forums. Um, the forums are an instant message conversation I was having with somebody. I don't remember because it was a couple weeks ago. And I added it to my list of topics to talk about. So this week's tip of the week is clean the glass on your lights. Many of us have power compact hoods or metal halide hoods that have plexiglass or glass, usually plexiglass or plastic, covers over them. Now, in the event that these are anywhere you know close to the surface, you're going to get a lot of salt buildup on, on these uh, glass covers or plexiglass covers. It's important that you go through when you're doing your tank maintenance every month or two, uh, depending, you know, however you do it, that you go through, you go, just take a, a wet paper, you know, paper towel or cloth. You don't want to use any cleaning solvents, but just go through there and wipe the stuff off. If you have one that's totally removable, you know, wipe it off real quick, slide the sheet, the sheet of plexiglass out of there and take it over to the sink and just, you know, wash it off with water. There is no need to use any fancy chemicals or anything like that on it. Water will remove the salt very easily. So just wipe it off, dry it off, and uh, you're going to be all set. This is going to help make sure that you get the maximum amount of light to your tank and it doesn't get disrupted by having all this gunk buildup on your lights. So for this week's question and answer, uh, we got a voicemail from John. So I'm going to go ahead and play that voicemail for you real quick, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and answer the question. 
Hey Rob, this is Sean from uh, sunny California here, even though it had rains here forever. Anyways, my question is, um, the signs of a light bulb going bad, uh, is there any telltale signs uh, that it is going bad? So basically what, what's being asked here is how do you tell when your lights are going bad? Now there are some signs that your lights are going bad or they're getting old. And as mentioned, yes, algae blooms are a key factor in that. If you start noticing excess algae buildup, it's usually a sign that your lights are going bad. Now, most lights have a regular replacement cycle that you go, should go through, depending on the lights. Uh, of course, check with the manufacturer in all cases to see what their recommendation is on the lights. Uh, usually power compact lights can go 8 to 12 months before replacement. Metal halide lights, de again, depending on the brand manufacturer, whether they're, you know, the HQI bulbs or the single-ended uh, regular bulbs, mogul socket bulbs, you're going to want to replace those. I believe that's every 12 to 16 months. It's usually a little over a year you need to replace those, or about a year. Uh, for VHOs, I believe it's the same. It's about 12 months that those need to replace. I actually, I'm not sure what the recommendation is on T5s. Uh, T5s are, I, I'm not going to say new anymore, but they're relatively new. I personally haven't had the option or opportunity to use T5s, uh, or and I haven't really done a whole lot of research on them because I, I don't have them. Uh, but it's something I, I know I need to look into a little bit more. So if you've got the, if you if you're out there and you know the re, uh, recommendation for changing T5 bulbs, uh, head over to the forums and, and make sure you post it as a reply to this so we can so we can all hopefully learn a little something extra. So, you know, basically, I, I'm not really sure if there's any surefire ways. Uh, usually when, when these bulbs start to go, the change is subtle, and you're probably not going to notice it when you're looking at your tank every single day. It's kind of the same thing as you don't usually notice your coral growing from a day-to-day -day basis, but when you turn around and look at a picture from three, four months ago, you say, wow, it's grown. So the best thing to do with lights, and what I do with my lights, is when I get the new bulbs in, I save the old box. And on the old box, this is what I do with my metal halide bulbs, on the old box, I write the date of when I put it in. That way I know when they're due to be replaced. On the power compact lights that I have, uh, and you can do this on the VHOs too, depending on your circumstances. Actually, on the bulb or on the base of the bulb, I write, do the same thing. I write the date. So I can take a look at those the same way, and I know exactly when I replaced them. So it's a good little trick for you is to make sure you date the bulbs or the package of the bulb. Keep that in some place where you, you'll be able to check on it. So that's pretty much going to wrap up this show for you uh, this week. I've got a couple items in the community update that I wanted to talk about. So, again, this is a section where if you don't care about the community update stuff, uh, thank you for joining us so far, and we'll talk to you next week. And if you are somebody that does care about, and hopefully that's everybody, uh, this won't hopefully won't take too long. First thing I wanted to mention is one of the new projects, we got a couple new projects that Talking Reef is working on. Uh, I did announce one in the weekly chat that was uh, held, we have a chat night that's held every Saturday. Uh, so for the people that were in there, they got to hear about it. Uh, I'm not quite ready to announce that everywhere just yet, but when I do, it'll go up on the forums first, and then I'll probably announce it in one of the, the shows to follow. Uh, but the one announcement that I didn't want to make is we're going to be starting a new uh, new addition to the podcast, and it's going to be a Talking Reef Roundtable discussion. 
Now, I'm not exactly sure if this is going to... We're not going to do them often. Every once in a while, we're going to do these. It may or may not replace the weekly show for you know that week. Uh, but it's something that we're going to do. And depending on the circumstance, I may put that out as a weekly show or I may supplement the weekly show with this. But basically, it's going to be uh, a group of uh, Talking Reef forum members, people, the community members. Uh, we're essentially going to sit down and we're going to go through a list of topics and we're just going to have some roundtable discussions on it. We're going to uh, just have like a four-way conversation, provide our own input, this, that, and the other thing. It, hopefully it should be you know, very interesting and a little bit changed from uh, the normal weekly shows that we do. Now, with that said, if you've got some good topics or ideas for these discussions, then head over to Talking Reforms and make sure you post those ideas in you know the feedback form or something like that. We do have most of the items, I believe, for the first show listed already. Uh, but if you come up with something better, by all means, we can get it in there. Not a problem at all. Uh, so uh, this is something that's going to be a, a very interactive thing. Uh, we've got the first four members already chosen for this one. But if this is something that you, as a listener, want to get in on, uh, it's not a problem at all. Just, you know, again, shoot me a private message on the forums. Shoot me an email. Let me know. Uh, what I am looking for is people that uh, do have some experience. Uh, I'm not looking, you know, again, I'm not looking for any experts, but I want some people that have kind of been around the block a little bit, have had their tank uh, for at least eight months, preferably a year, uh, have been able to do various types of projects. But if if this is something and you believe that you've got some topics you want to talk about, um, it, it's real easy. There's a lot of different ways that you can get in on the on, on the conversation. And uh, if it's something you're interested in, again, just shoot me a message, email, PM me on the forum, something like that, and we can get you involved. The next thing I wanted to mention is I, I, I wanted to take a moment to announce that Talking Reef has a new uh, partnership. We have partnered with the Canadian or Canada Frag Exchange. Uh, this is similar to frags.org, only for Canadians. Now, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, frags.org and the, this new one that we partnered, uh, Canadian Frags that we've partnered with, it's essentially a place where you as hobbyists can go and and sell or trade your frags uh, for, with people all over your country. Uh, it, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but that's essentially the point. So if you are in Canada and you are interested in participating head over to the Talking Reforms. If you go into the main forums and you go through the listing and you go towards the bottom, you're going to see a list of some of our partner sites and our local forums that I've got listed in there. And you'll see the Canadian our Canada Frag Exchange link in there. Just click on that. You'll be taken to the part of the site and you can get jump in and get right involved with them and uh, hopefully get and exchange and trade and uh, maybe even sell some of your, your frags. So definitely check that out. Again, I wanted to mention real quick uh, the Austin Reef Club. Uh, the person who started up that has been in contact with me. Uh, great guy. Uh, so if you're in the Austin, Texas area and you're looking for a local reef club with people around you in your local area, make sure you go there and check it out. It's at austinreefclub.com. And also there is uh, a section on our forums, on the Talking Reef forums. Again, at the bottom uh, of there, you'll see their partner listings and local forums. There's a link there. You can click right on that. And last but not least, uh, listener call-in. Uh, as you've heard, I had a couple this week. Uh, so if, you know, if you've got questions, introductions like you've heard uh, on this show or comments or anything like that, uh, just call into the voicemail line. It's quick and easy. Just pick up your phone and dial 
3357 and we'll get yours played on the air just like the ones that you've heard today. So that's going to go ahead and wrap up the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you head over to the forums and provide feedback and any questions or remarks that you might have to this show topic or any of the other show topics. And we will talk to you next week with the Reefkeeping Podcast. 